0: This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. So today we have a very special guest. We've got uh, Brother Stuart Carey with us. Um, he's a friend of mine. We met a few years back, um, I believe on Facebook. I think we connected on Facebook and Um, We've had several conversations over the years, um, and I'm telling you, this is a man of God. Uh, Today, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about brokenness in the life of of a minister, uh, of Christians, and really the importance and the necessity of it. Um, So first, uh, I'd like you to just introduce yourself, Brother Carey. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, about your ministry, uh, where you attend church, and, and, and things like that.
1: Yes, my name is Stuart Carey, I am currently serving as outreach pastor at Parkway Pentecostal Church, Madison, Mississippi. Um, my pastor is Jason Dillon, and my bishop is Jerry Dillon, and I have been on staff there for probably about the last two years, and I've been involved in ministry for over 20 a uh, good long time, and God has been good, and I am honored to be It's certainly great to have you. Um, So
0: I really want to kind of open this with with this text from Matthew, uh, chapter 21, uh, verses 42 through 44. Um, Jesus said unto them, did you never read in the scriptures that the stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. So when we're reading that you know, portion of Scripture, um, you know, it really tells us that we're either going to fall on the truth of Jesus Christ and, and we're going to be broken and allow God to take those broken pieces and use them for his glory. Or we're going to be, uh, you know, ground to powder, to, to dust, uh, back to dust, you know, from whence we came. Um, so, you know, when we're talking about being used by God, you know, we have to have that full surrender or that brokenness in our lives to be able to, facilitate the Holy Ghost to flow through us the way that God intended.
1: So what, what, are your, what do you think about that? What are your thoughts on that? Well, my first thoughts when I was reading through that, those portions of Scripture earlier was such a contrast between God's mercy and His judgment mm. falling on the stone or the stone falling on us. And it never ceases to amaze me in reading the Word of God how, you know, it's called the Living Word for a reason. It comes alive and it right. ministers to us in whatever situation that we're dealing with. The answer is always there. And you're talking about brokenness, uh, the essentiality of brokenness. We all must be broken. Many times through the years, we've heard the old adage if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, that may be true in many situations, but spiritually, All of us have to be broken in order for God to fix us and to then use us for his glory. So there is necessity and even essentiality in being broken. It is a point that all of us, Brother Crooker, have to come to uh, at some point in order, a crossroads, if you will, to make the decision whether or not we're going to allow God to have his way in our lives.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and that's one of the, you know, biggest things, you know, when, we, when we're when we looking at, you know, lives of new converts that are really struggling to uh, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, because we know that it's it's a free gift and God gives it, you know, freely to anybody that really wants it. But uh, I think that the reason so many people have that difficulty is because they haven't fully surrendered you know maybe their life hasn't been broken enough to be fully reliant on God and to release themselves of control you know to sort of step out of the driver's seat if you will and allow God to just step into that driver's seat and take
1: control what what do you how do you feel about what do you think? Well, I definitely believe that with God, it's either all or nothing. Uh, Hmm. Many people do hold back or they're under the impression that they can hold on and control certain areas of their lives and they'll just give God everything else, whatever they think that they can't handle. But the truth of the matter is uh, we can't handle anything on our own. And you and I know that well uh, through years of experience and learning, but for a new convert or even someone who's just even looking at the truth maybe they've heard the truth maybe they've been to a few church services or someone has talked to them a little bit a lot of it is just uh, I don't
0: That is so true. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about you know, new converts. Now let's, let's address, you know, in the ministry, let's address why it is so important to allow ourselves to be broken as ministers of the gospel. Well, we have to allow ourselves uh, to, I say live, in a
1: state of uh, being humble, being willing to let God have his way, just as when I first came into truth. And I was emotional. I was hurting. I I was dealing with a tough time in my life. I know I can say personally, and I can remember that feeling of turning it over to God and feeling like a weight was just literally lifted off of me. And I'm sure that many That's the thing, you know, in our
0: humanity, um, especially for men, it is, it's is—it's so easy to allow ourselves, even, if, you know, we know that God is the one that's performing the miracles. We know that God is the one that is opening the doors. He's the one that heals the sick. It, it had nothing to do with us except for that we were we were there and that we were simply conduits for the power of God to move through. But it's yes, so it's really but it's so easy for us as men and in you know, our humanity to try and elevate ourselves like we did something when it really wasn't us. And we know that right. since God He resists the proud. Mm-hmm. And so you were talking about, you know, that state of humility. You know, Jesus was God incarnate, God in the flesh, and he was willing to step down into a role where he was washing the disciples' feet. Yes.
1: Yes. A- amen. And that, and that is exactly, I think, it's the nail on the head right there, that as ministers, if you're a God-called minister, if you're called to, and uh, pulpit ministry, let let me just interject right here, is a very small part of ministry in general. Uh, When God has called you, God has called you to uh, do whatever is needed in order to win and disciple souls Uh, Your ministry the, the Outlook of it or the description of it may change some through the years But your number one goal is always souls winning and discipling people and we can't ever let our humanity
0: straight from so recently uh, I started a new job as a general manager and in the um, uh, sort of introduction process to the job uh, my supervisor was saying as a manager you know and I think we can apply this spiritually you know we should never lose that mop bucket attitude where it whatever needs to be done you know, if there's no one else to fill that role, we need to be willing to step into that role and meet those needs. Yes. Yes, amen. Uh, and it can be anything that needs to be done uh, in our daily dealings with people, anything around the church itself. I'll just give you a real quick little example. There was a, uh, a minister who visited our church uh, some time back,
1: and one of my favorite things to do is to greet people as they come in before our 9.30 classes on Sunday mornings. And I've always had a team of people there. Uh, We call our Connect team, and as outreach pastor, that is under the umbrella of the area where I serve. But I'm out there with those people as much as I can be. And this man came in and saw me standing at the door, and uh, his comment was, well, uh, don't you have other people that do this? You know, your your ministry. And I said, sir, this is my ministry. This is who I am. And I'm never going to reach the point that I feel like I am too good or that I am not needed to stand out front and talk to people and greet people. Listen, that is, I I am in the people business. Ministry is people. Ministry is souls. I can't tell you how many connections I make at those front doors, standing there talking to people. But in some people's eyes, that would be something that would be beneath uh, the uh, servitude or the job of a God-called minister. But that's part of who I am. That's what I do. And God has taken that and used it. So I just wanted to kind of inject that quickly, is that, listen, we're not too good to do anything. We're not above doing anything. And most of the things that some others consider to be trivial are among the most important. Mm. We never want to strain at that nad and swallow that camel. And that's easy to do. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we just need to remember that ministry is indeed whatever and wherever it needs to be done. We need to do it. So Absolutely. Uh, I
0: think... I just grow increasingly concerned uh, when, you know, we run into people with the kind of attitude that you sort of encountered, where we have these these congregations uh, of people um, that are elevating their ministry, and I'm not just necessarily referring to the minister themselves, but... That body of believers, they elevate the ministry to uh, sort of even equal to God. Do you think? Do you, Do you think that I'm correct in saying that? That you know there are some, sometimes that, even more often than not, that we have these bodies of believers that, even if so, if. Another minister, uh, an apostle, a prophet, a, a teacher, anybody that came from another um, a church to, to minister to them, if they were to say something that was from God but didn't necessarily match with what they maybe have heard their entire life from their preacher, you know because God obviously he wants there are moments where God does intervene. And he'll speak through another man of God that's not necessarily the, the pastor or the shepherd of that body of believers. Yes. And so when they, when they elevate their ministry, there's that conflict there where maybe they just weren't broken enough or humble enough to say, maybe I, I could be wrong. Or maybe I've been wrong in how I've handled these situations. Right, right. We we do, um, and I say it this way: have a number of people around us uh,
1: within the church. always said, if the Word of God uh, governs the local church, and if the man of God is in the Word of God, Mm. uh, you're you're always going to have problems because you've got people. You've got flesh. But that church is going to be governed biblically. But when a man's pride gets in the way, when his flesh gets
0: in the way, he begins to become arrogant, uh, then, then you've got major problems. And I have And I have seen, you know, the outcome and and the results of that through the years and God help us to keep ourselves spiritually where we need to be. Yes. Wow. A lot of people that have been hurt through the years, you know, from ministry, if they hadn't elevated... Or worship their, their leaders, their leadership. I think that, you know, those hurts and those pains and that bitterness would have been completely avoided. Because, you know, we're always going to be in the people business. And where there are people, people are people. And, you know, you're always going to deal with some Christians that are carnal. You're always going to deal, you're always going to find yourself dealing with people that are not living right. Maybe not in this moment, but we don't get to say who is worthy and who is not. You know, the Jesus, you know, he said some are weak and some aren't. But he's the one. That will do the removing when it's necessary. Yes. And yes, absolutely. Yeah. He Well, we know even uh, to the extent of governments and things of that nature, there's the scripture in Daniel 2 that says, and he changes the seasons, of course, referring to the
1: Lord. He setteth up kings, he taketh down kings and governments, you know. And that's even true down to the ministry and the governing of a local church. You know, God is ultimately in control. His word will never return void. But when we get flesh involved and people get out of control, uh, God will deal with that in time. And he always does. Many people feel like uh, they look at situations and they think maybe God's not aware. Perhaps he doesn't exactly know what's going on. But trust me, God knows and God will take care of it in time. Uh, many, in many instances, he is giving that individual or that family or whatever the case may be, time to repent. And if they do not do so, and he regulates the time
0: span on that, by the way, we don't. Right. Uh, then he will take care of it as he sees fit. Absolutely. So, as you, you know, you're talking about sort of that repentance period where you know, or that grace period where God is saying, you know, obviously, there's some things that are happening that are not supposed to be happening. They're out of line with Scripture. They're out of line. You know, they don't, they're not coinciding with uh, the Holy Ghost on a spiritual level. And, you know, maybe people are being discouraged and distracted. And But during that grace period, um, And, uh, you know, in my notes, I mentioned that we'd probably talk about this, Um, you know, the prodigal son, how he sold his birthright. He just said, I just I just want my birthright. I want it now. I want my portion. He leaves and he's living in the world. But he had he was given that that opportunity to come back home.
1: of that nature, I saw a post that was shared that talked about the fact that, you know, the prodigal, when he was considering going home, was rehearsing his speech, basically. Uh, When he reached home, of course, we know his father saw him a long way off, fell on kissed him. He got a hug before he even got started with his speech. And then when he began to talk to his father, he only got about half of it out before his father called for a party, for a celebration. So the point of the post was, if you're wondering today, stop preparing your speech and just come on home. Mm. Um, So I I thought that was so beautiful and so powerful uh, that the mercy was there. The mercy was there. And And that account, I believe, was recorded in Scripture specifically for that purpose. It didn't matter how far he had traveled. It didn't matter exactly what he had done When his father saw him coming from afar off, the attitude was, this is my son who was dead and is now alive. Mm -hmm. Well, it didn't matter about the disagreement they might have had before the young man left or the young man demanding, give me what's mine. I want it and I want it now. And his disregard of his father and his family, the mindset that his father stayed in the entire time, or at least was in by the time his son returned, was one of mercy.
0: Then we come back to that, the Word of God, it's living. And so every season of our life, we're, uh, when we're reading and studying the Word of God as ministers, we should be completely open during these seasons, whatever season we might be in, whether it's a season of decrease, a season of increase, a season of uh, brokenness, season of of life of whatever it may be whatever season we're in we can read we can read the parables that Jesus talked about we could read you know different portions of scripture and we we can be changed and transformed and it can change our perspective of where we are in our life because ultimately if we're living our life through the lens of scripture Will always be where God intends us to be,
1: yes, yes our our joy is not based on our circumstances. Our happiness might be at times. You remember the apostle Paul saying, "I think myself happy, regardless of whether he was sitting in prison or in a dungeon or beaten half to death or whatever yeah. his current circumstances were. But joy is something that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are able or should allow that to uh, manifest and work in us no matter what season we're in, no matter what our physical circumstances might be at that time or what has happened to us. So I think that's something right there. People uh, become confused, uh, the difference between happiness and emotion and what real joy is. But when you have real joy, no matter the season, no matter the circumstances, how bad it might look, we know that we can have faith and trust in God that he is working
0: all things for our good while we're waiting, even in the dark seasons, even in the quiet times. And to me, that's powerful. Mm. Indeed. Indeed it is. Well, he's just as close as the mention of his name. You know, Amen. He, he's the strong tower that we can run into and be safe. So when the storms of yes. life are raging, we can stand in the tower, the strong tower. Mm. Man, <laughs> this it's, is... It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Those, those words are not filler. Those words are true, That we need to take hold of them and let them take root in our spirit. Absolutely. Oh. I, I feel like, I feel like this, this is a good, this episode is going to sort of change some people's perspectives, um, you know, about how, first of all, maybe they approach scripture, um, maybe about how they approach, um, you know, their, maybe their relationships with, with people that, um maybe don't believe like they believe or that, uh, have backslid because, you know, God is always, I just had a conversation with a friend of mine last night. He was, he's going through some, some hard times and I, I told him that when, you know, the spirit draws all men, and then when they come to that initial salvation experience, I don't believe that God ever stops drawing you, especially after you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yes. Amen. I believe that that's why it's so difficult for a backslider or someone who was in ministry that's called into the ministry that Uh, walks away from God, why it's so difficult for them to live and why they struggle so hard because they can never escape that drawing of the Spirit. That's exactly right. And Scripture says, gifts and callings are without repentance. When God is extending it, it's there. That's right. It's there. And... And I have seen that. I know men right now that have been mightily used of God in their past. But because of circumstances, and in some cases
1: because of self, uh, they are no longer involved in active ministry. But every one of them have this in common, and you mentioned it, they're all miserable. Mm. Every one of them are living in misery because they are not doing what God has instructed them to do. And we talk about it. I'm in contact with many of these men, and we love each other. And it's almost like they want a way back, if that makes sense to you, but they're not sure almost how. They're afraid of what people will say. They're afraid of what people will think. They're afraid of the way they will be treated because in many places, in many uh, circumstances, they would not, unfortunately, be received with mercy. And that just breaks my heart because they know that I love and accept them and various others and want them to be right with God and want them to serve at their full capacity and be used of God again. But the longer you stay away, remember this, the harder it is to come back. The door is still open, but the longer you stay away, the more comfortable and the more bogged down you become in your circumstance. And I've seen people literally talk themselves out of coming back after a period of time. And that's very, very dangerous. Um, So I would encourage anyone who's listening today, I want to encourage you. I don't want to condemn you because there is no condemnation here. But I want to encourage you, if you're away today and you hear this, um, if your life is not what you know it needs to be, is not what God has intended, come on back. Don't rehearse your speech. It doesn't matter who's looking. Just just start, start on your way back and come on back in. You know, the door is open. God loves you. God will forgive you. God will use you. Uh, and people will forgive you. And those that don't, well, you know what? They don't matter because you're not living and serving people. Uh, you're living and serving God first and foremost. And then uh, through him, you're able to connect and to serve people his way. So we get too worried sometimes about what other people are thinking. Who's looking at you? It's almost like a child mentality, but that follows us throughout
0: our lives. That's something that we deal with. But hey, the door's open. Come on in. Yeah, absolutely. That is Thank nice. you Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Uh, while you were talking um, about the one thing that you know people that have walked away from God that have a calling um, have. Um, you know, is that they're 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 in misery. I it came to my mind about Saul, how God told Saul to kill everybody and everything, uh, and he he spared the king and the and the cattle and and then when God told him, obviously obedience is better than sacrifice. Not to say that sacrifice isn't important, but being obedient to the word of God is what's most important. And instead of just Correcting himself, he spent the next years in complete misery. Yes. Yes, he did. Yes, he
1: did. Saul is a good example Uh, when you read basically the account of his life and the things that God directed him at times. There were times he was more open than others. But Saul's biggest problem ultimately was pride. Saul never got over himself, so he was never able to be used fully by God, and he never fully gave himself over to God. He was in a position uh, where where the people had put him there, and God had allowed it, but at the same time, he was as subject to God as anyone else, and he never yielded himself, and it was almost like you can see the struggle there over the years of his life as recorded in Scripture. He was so human just as we are i think there was a part of him that genuinely wanted to be right but it was almost as if he reached a point where he didn't know how yeah and his humanity it just uh he just gave to it and gave to his flesh uh above what god had to say and hey isn't that the world we live in today that's what we're striving to overcome and And to stay away from, we want to yield to God. We want to give Him all. Don't be a Saul. Don't be somebody who's got your foot in at times and put out at times, but you're never all in and you're never fully obedient. Uh, If you want the blessings and the, uh, uh, the using of God, you've got to turn it all over, as we said early on. You've got to turn it over to Him. Absolutely. And we can
0: never allow ourselves to say, or even view ourselves um, in an elevated position, obviously, you know, there's a spectrum of spiritual authority that is God-given. Your pastor, um, his pastor, God, the Word of God, you know, obviously there is a, a natural spiritual authority that is in place, and it was in place by God. And we'll never get around that. And so it's imperative that, you know, we obey those authorities, but we can never uh, uh, elevate ourselves, um, you know, because here's the thing, there's nothing special about us outside of the gifts that God gives us and the abilities that he gives us because, to be honest, he spoke to Balaam through a donkey. So, you know, God used a donkey, and he said, you know, if you don't worship me... The stones will cry out. So he can use nature to do the things that he needs to do or wants to do. He chooses to use us. That doesn't make us you know, any more special um, above anybody else. Or a, and so we've got to remember to keep that mindset and stay humble and, and keep that heart of a servant and, and be willing to Accept correction when we need to accept correction and be completely yes. open to whatever God has for us, no yes. matter where that yes. takes us. Amen. Amen. We, we want to make sure to, uh, on the on another facet of that same subject, that we realize that everything that
1: we have and everything that we are able to do comes from and is allowed by god so as you said it's important to to remain humble it's important to remain open and it's most of all important to remember you know who is in charge i'm not in charge of this thing i'm not sailing this boat anymore you know i I turned over the the rudder and the wheel long ago and i want to stay out of it and allow him to like to lead allow him to guide in the way he would have my life to go and i think if we adopt that attitude this is not mine it's all his any little thing i have ultimately came from him i think that uh we will keep it in perspective and we'll allow him to lead and guide the way that he needs to but i've got to remember that i'm a little i'm a little feeble minded guy and uh my, his ways are much higher than mine oh, so yes. i'm gonna let him do the leading and i'm gonna do the following amen so,
0: you know that old song where he leads I will follow. Hm. Yes. If we just if we just remain, you know, in that state of humility and and obedience to the word of God and to the man of God in our lives. We could we, revival is already here. Yes. We just have to be willing to submit ourselves to the spirit of God, to the leading and directing of the Holy Ghost to go where he wants us to go, where we might not necessarily be comfortable going. But if he's with us, we can, we can, we can take the land. Amen. Amen. Yes, we we will possess the land. And
1: I think uh, what you mentioned there, and I know we have to be conscious of time, but I didn't want to mention this quickly. I love what you said about revival being now revival is here. Too many people are sitting around waiting on something that they're viewing as distant. It's off out yonder somewhere, and and you'll hear a lot. We've got to get ready for the revival that's coming. We've got to get ready for all these souls that are coming in. Let me tell you, end time revival is now, brother. And if we're not active now, what makes us think that we would be active if if there was some supernatural wave coming? If God can't trust you and use you to affect somebody right now, guess what? You're not going to do it later either. Uh, so we need to be aware as the church and be awake that our opportunities now, we've got one shot at this lost and dying world and it's now while we yet live. So we need to be aware that, uh, end time revival is now brother. We're already in it.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's not something where we can take responsibility off of ourselves by saying, Well, we got to get ready
0: for what's coming. It's already here. So we need to be active and be in the field. Absolutely.
1: Thank you, Jesus. Uh, what
0: in Matthew? In Matthew. Uh, I was trying to remember where that was. In Matthew chapter 9:37. He said, uh, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but where where are the laborers. where are the laborers? The laborers are few. Yes. And in and, and during this this COVID pandemic where we a lot of churches transitioned, you know, to an online format. Yes, that's great. You know, we're we're getting Obviously, it got the gospel on, uh, on the airwaves. It got into m- more lives. Um, people that probably w- never would have been interested in it have been checking it out. Maybe they saw it being shared on a friend's Facebook page or a friend's you know, Twitter or whatever it is, Instagram. We've got we've to figure out or we, we've got to m- be more diligent to get the people that are accessing it on the online format Back into sort of an analog position where, yes, you know, obviously we know that through faith there's a lot of things that can happen. They were healed by Peter's shadow because of their faith. It had nothing to do with Peter, it was because they believed in God and believed it was their faith that that, that healed them. But you know, there's certain mandates in the in scripture. The, you know, the laying on of hands. How you, you know, you, you're not going to receive certain blessings that God has without using those functions in the Spirit. And, and if they're on that uh, digital format, they're missing out on such a huge portion of the New Testament church. You know, gathering together. Having the breaking breaking of bread, the fellowship, the communion. uh, There's a lot of things that they're missing out on. And obviously, it's important for the gospel to be out there. And I I think that that's great. And I think we should use every facet, every avenue, uh, whatever we can to get it out there. But we've got to figure out how to get it out there and bring the hearers into the house of God into a life of um, separation you know, from the things of the world that are bogging them down and keeping them bound. And...
1: Yeah. Yes, and Brother Kruger, it's going to take the thing that we need the most of in our movement, those of us that have truth, but probably have the least of, and that is good, solid, biblical teaching. Teaching is where people learn their doctrine. Teaching is where people learn how to live a holy life, and it's something that we're severely lacking in in many, many areas uh, of our movement. And until we learn to. And- they will receive what they need. So that's another area where we need to make sure that uh, we don't let pride or don't let arrogance get in the way that we're going to do this or or we're going to do that. We have to stay connected to God and then he will do uh, what he intends to do with these people and with us, uh, you know, as ministry. So just another little point I wanted to throw in there. You don't hear this addressed a lot.
0: But it's absolute truth, right absolutely and and i I just love everything that we've talked about. Uh, I think that it's necessary um, for the body of Christ, and that's really what this apostolic theory podcast is about. It's about getting information out there, uh getting teaching out there um, I'm uh, you know having uh, incredible men of God on here that that know the Word of God, that have experienced in, you know, in ministry, in study of the Word of God, in, in even just life, um, and so that they can apply it to their own lives, the, uh, the people that hear, and so that's really what the goal is for this podcast, and I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to to talk with me about this subject. Uh, I I agree with everything you've said. I, I This is incredible, and I think people are going to be changed by it. Absolutely. And thank you so much for being with us. Uh, that was Brother Stuart Carey. And uh, he's, I'm telling you, he's an incredible man of God. He's a preacher. He holds uh, uh, Bible studies. And I've tuned into several of them. And, you know, he is, he's, he's a student of the Word. And we really appreciate him. Um, and we thank you for tuning in to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. And we'll see you next week. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.